Welcome to Parenting Decoded, a podcast for practical approaches to parenting. I'm Mary Eschen. In this episode, I'm excited to have Emily Churkin, the Screen Time Consultant, back for a follow-up episode to continue our conversation about dealing with screens and our kids. After the amazing response we got to our last podcast on screen time struggles, we felt we needed to offer guidance to those of you who feel like your families are either bordering on a crisis with screens or are in a full-blown crisis and are lost and don't know where to turn. Emily is launching a brand new course to help families do a reset with their screens. If you hurry, you can get one of the few slots left in her course that starts next Monday, February 28th, 2022. If you listen to this later, no worries, she'll be offering her class quarterly. The other resources we talk about in this podcast deal with gaming addiction specifically and even offer residential recovery programs in extreme cases. Take a listen and check out the podcast notes for links you can use to help your family. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, Emily. I'm so happy to have you for this additional talk about screens and how they are impacting our families. And this time we're going to talk about screen addictions, how it impacts our families, why our screens can be so addictive, and how our families can deal with them, especially if we kind of he- feel like we're heading into crisis. So tell us a little yes. bit about what you see, especially being the screen time consultant. Yes, thanks. And thanks for having me back. Um, one of the things I like to make sure I talk to, talk about right up front is to the disclaimer that I'm not a mental health or a licensed doctor to prescribe or, you know, diagnose anything. But what I can tell you is that what I see is parents coming to me with a huge range of experiences and, you know, they can border on the frustrated and overwhelming to the truly um, addictive seeming. And one thing, and again, you know, there's, there are certainly metrics out there that can help us evaluate when something is addictive. But generally speaking, what I tell parents is, if the quality of your life, school, social experiences, things that kids used to do for pleasure or adults, um, no longer exist or provide joy or happiness um, because of so much screen use, I think we're looking at a pretty serious problem. For the most part, the families I work with come to me before that point. And that's certainly my approach is a preventative one, right? So that we make these decisions now to keep us from getting to that high level, um, true addictive state. And dysfunction. <laughs> and dysfunction. It's usually by exactly. the time they are in the dysfunction state, families in crisis and they can't manage to exactly. get their kids off screens and they've all that kind of stuff. So. Exactly. And they need much more than just coaching at that point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if a family yeah. comes to you and they feel like they're getting a little bit off the rails in terms of the screen behaviors in their house, but they think that having a coach might help. What is it that you are able to do with them? Yeah. So I really appreciate hearing from families who want to make changes because the reality is this is a huge issue and a huge challenge for families. And it's not something that can be fixed quickly or easily. So when families are ready to sort of put in that time and effort to make meaningful changes, I'm the right person to help them do that. And I often say I work very well in um, 
con in concert with other with therapists with mental health professionals because the mental health professionals can help process and the feelings and holding the space for all of these new ideas and changes and i get to sort of serve as that practical tactical here are the things that we need to try here are some of the strategies that work um and to do that slowly over time because again we've been we've grown up in in the last 10 years in this world where we think there's an app for everything, right? Where we can just download something and solve our problem. And that's not at all possible when it comes to parenting. There is no app for parenting, right? There is. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be a complicated app. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the resources you have available is a new course that you just developed that um yep. that you take people that you take families through and can you talk about that and what who it might be appropriate for and when it's not appropriate for families when it's not enough yeah yeah thank you so i the course is called becoming a tech intentional parent and something i talk about all the time is you know i'm not anti technology i'm tech intentional and the idea behind that is it's all about using it as a tool or even a toy but in a very intentional way just the same way we don't eat you know dessert every day for every meal we space it out make it a special occasion or we use it as a tool right like uh being able to do podcast interviews or organize our calendars right digital tools are not inherently evil the problem becomes when we have expectations about how children should use them and we treat them like small adults right there is certainly problems with that. Um, and so my course is designed to help parents understand that, to help them understand child development, understand what makes screens and devices that are tech-based so addictive in the first place, and how when those two things sort of collide, it actually makes parenting more challenging. So the course is actually spread out over th three months. And I did this very intentionally because if I told you we could fix this in three days, I would not be telling you the truth. This isn't something that's going to be fixed. And, and even over three months, the idea is to give people tools so that when these crises or conflicts come up, we've got the vocabulary, we've got the strategies ready to pull out of our pocket to implement. And I say this as a parent who this very weekend had conflict around screen time with my children. So <laughs> even knowing what I know doesn't exempt me from the conflict part. I think that's, a, you know, we have to remember that conflict is a healthy and normal part of a family dynamic, a little bit of conflict, you know what I mean? Not, yeah. not, not excessive, but yeah. And just for that, our audience sake, your yeah. children are 10 and 13. Yes, so you're in the thick are. of it so with I'm, very tech, exactly. tech wanting kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> your tech exactly. intentional parenting has to come out every day, probably. <laughs> Very much so. And it's something I have to practice, just like wanting to, you know, meditate daily. It's an effort. You know, you have to commit to this, the practice of it. This is very much that. And so, you know, parents who are ready, who are so tired and burned out from the last two years of pandemic parenting and screens for socializing, but also for school. I mean, it's been a lot. And I, I am an optimist. I believe that small incremental changes can have long-term lasting benefits. So that's my goal is to kind of help parents see what those might be in and to give them time to practice it. So there are live coaching sessions interspersed. So it'll be a, a week. We have a lesson and I sort of go through what we're doing and the strategies. And then parents actually have two weeks before the next live coaching call to practice and implement. And there's follow-up in between. But 
The idea being, I'm not trying to create more work for parents than is necessary, but to give them time to practice. Because we don't build a new skill by doing it once. We have to practice it over and over and see when it works and when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And can you give like a preview of some of the skills that you might? Yeah. Obviously, yeah, one of my, a quick one. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite ones is called Living Your Life Out Loud. And this is, again, that idea of just narrating what we do as we do it. And sometimes when we, when so much of the conflict that we experience around screen time is negative, right? Kids know that our viewpoint about screens is like, oh, it's bad. We hate it. We're always fighting. It's a very negative view from our view as a parent. But kids also feel like we're being hypocritical too, right? Because we may be reaching for our devices all the time. We may be on our computers all the time. So when we live our life out loud, what that means is narrating everything as we use it. So I'm reaching for my phone. I'm looking at a recipe to see what I need to do to cook for dinner. Oh, I just got a text alert that's telling me I need to get you to soccer practice at 5.30. Oh, and now I'm going to open Instagram because I got bored and I'm distracted. Like literally a running monologue of what you're thinking as you're thinking it while you use your tech. And you're going to drive your kids crazy. And that means it's working. <laughs> uh, that that they can see how distracted you are. And that it makes you, I, I mean, that lesson makes, hopefully makes the parents realize exactly. how, how, I don't know, how, <laughs> how we're, we might just be as messed up as our kids um, yeah, in terms we of can't being change. addicted. Yes, exactly. We, can, we can't change anything for our kids if we're not even willing to start at looking how we use it. And, and the idea too is modeling it, right? You're showing your kid how you use this device or what this device does for you, like how it makes you feel or what you're thinking about. And I mean, my own kids will do this sometime. If I'm reaching for my phone, they'll say, Why do you, what are you doing with that? <laughs> Why are you looking at your phone? Uh -huh. And I'll say, oh yeah, and I'm very intentional about, I'm going to look at my phone because we just had a conversation and somebody brought up a calendar thing. So I'm going to open my calendar. Then they know that's what I'm using it for, uh -huh. right? It's very different than me just picking it up and looking at it and not explaining what I'm doing. Well, and, and again, not all the time. I mean, 100% of the time isn't realistic. We're going for 80-20. That's my rule. Uh -huh. And it sounds <laughs> like part of your approach with the parents is that um, there's trust that the you, they can have a conversation with the kids and you help you help train the parents how to have those positive conversations. Because I know that exactly. there's so many parents that I do work with that it's like, I can't even talk to my kid. I can't get them to yeah. agree to any yeah. limits. I can't get them yeah. to open the door. You know, they'll be, just be in their room. I can't get them, you know, or I'll find that they've just betrayed me and, uh, you know, set yeah. up for Snapchat accounts and all that kind of stuff. Can you help parents with that? I mean, is that yeah. part of the processing yeah. that... Very much. And actually, one of the other, I'm trying to remember which lesson number it is, but one of the whole ideas is we have to go backwards to go forwards. We we have to connect with our kid until our relationship with our kid is somewhat on stable ground. It doesn't matter what you say about Snapchat or Instagram or social media. It's not going to change. And in some ways, that's the hardest part, especially as our kids get older and they're differentiating and they're wanting their independence and that's normal. They still need us. They still need boundaries. They still need guidance. And they aren't going to like what we say. But I, I do think, I feel that parents have a hard time sometimes not being liked by their kid. And and I'm, you know, guilty of this too. You don't want to, they can be mean, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's hurtful. But I heard a great quote from another parent coach, which was like, you know, it's called parenting, not childing. You know, it's about managing ourselves. It's about managing our feelings and expectations. Like 
so that when they have an outburst or they have a, a reaction, we're not personalizing it. Right. And again, that's so hard. <laughs> that's so hard. I'm not yeah. to have that mastered by any stretch, but, but even knowing that can help us kind of remove our feelings from it a little bit so that we can engage like what's really going on here like what's really behind this mm -hmm. and sometimes it's that there's that lack of connection they just they don't feel connected to us so it's easier to be angry and i don't know any parent that wants to get to the end of high school and think well that was awful you know yeah. that's nobody wants that yeah and i think you know the things that you are going to teach in that class really um emphasize things that I work with parents all the time. It's like you have mm -hmm. to have that connection. And I've worked with a, a few families recently that they've lost that connection. And and I've spent time with them giving them ideas about how to build that up. And so it sounds like you're doing that in your talk, in your yeah. um, class too, which would be so helpful for families, especially mm -hmm. when it centers so much around screens that it's a constant yeah. irritant. Um, what, yeah. what else? Um, so... You said that you had a list of this course is perfect for certain parents and not others. Can you talk about that? Anything that we didn't talk about on that list that you think is really relevant for us to let parents know about? Yeah, I mean, again, I think certainly if we're talking true addiction, I'm not the right person. There are other resources available to families really struggling with that. Um, it is the right course for parents who realize that there needs to be some pretty profound changes and they recognize that they are going to be the starting point of those changes. So um, I take a very non-judgmental approach. In fact, I even joke that I, I should have a little sign that I can hold up that says, I'm not judging you because we're all a bit of a mess in some ways, you know, coming out of this pandemic. And I think as long as par if parents can know that I am here to be compassionate at understanding that this has been hard and, it, and you know, you come as you are. And in fact, one of my favorite things of this course is I have a, a time, a number line. So, you know, you people will say like on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? My number line goes from negative 10 to positive 10 <laughs> because oh. I think a lot of us are at like negative four, you know? And so if we can get to zero, <laughs> that's progress, right? Like, I feel like we have to kind of get out from under where we've been. And so coming as you are, like, that's really a message I hope is conveyed is, you know, that, that you can be a mess and you can have no rules in your house or the rules don't get followed and you will still get benefits from this course. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing to put in the time. And I mean, a few minutes a day. I'm not talking hours. It's not the videos that I have are less than five minutes. Like the idea is to be, manageable, consumable, but, but meaningful and effective. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you and I talked about before we started recording was, okay, uh, some of the parents are going to want to know if their kid is addicted and how do you judge that? And we looked up on um, yeah. real, no, restartlife.com and they have a resource for people. You want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, this is an organization that's actually been around for quite a while, and they were one of the first internet screen time addictive um, like rehab centers in the country, I believe. And they've expanded. Apparently, they're now their campus is now right near Microsoft's home campus, which is not in, in Bellevue, Bellevue not Washington. In case people don't know, in Bellevue, <laughs> yes, in Bellevue, Washington, and. 
Um, yeah, so they had, there's a little screener questionnaire on their website that you can go to, you know, about like, I think it's, how do I know, or is, is gaming or screen use a problem for me? And that can be a useful tool. I mean, again, if, if you're, if everything in your life is affected by, um, screen time conflict and issues, then it might be worth looking into something, you know, that high level, but for parents who just want some of the the day-to-day strategies first who haven't hit that addiction um, threshold, my support and my services are the right tool Uh at this point. So Mm -hmm. the um, restartlife.com, just so our listeners know, I will put the resources on my podcast notes for sure so that people could get to the addiction quiz that they have. Like, is my kid addicted? They have one for teens, I think even. And, Mm -hmm. um, and also, um, there's another organization called Game Quitters that um, has an online course for people who it sounds like might be more on the addiction side as well. I haven't used them. I have been following them for a little while, but it's another mm. resource that might be interesting to parents. Um, if a parent wants to come, how how many people are in the class? It's an online I'm keeping class. It to, yes, I know. The irony's not lost on me. Um, <laughs> it's a small group coaching model. So um, I really actually believe that it is beneficial for parents to hear from other parents who are going through this so that there's some community feeling of like, I'm not alone. Here's what someone else has tried and that there's benefit to sharing. So I'm, I am capping it at about 10 or 12 people because it's hard to moderate over Zoom much more than that. Um my my dream size would probably be between like six and eight, and I'm really close to that right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm at seven people. So, but I would happily take more, and you know, it's it's something I will offer again in the future if it doesn't work this time around either. But it is the idea is that I wanted parents to have these tools in their tool belt before summer started, so that they could end the school year with some, you know, okay, let's let's do this. Yeah. And I'll put a link to your. <laughs> your class. And depending on when someone downloads this episode, hopefully it'll be soon, but you'll be offering these courses as you go forward. Um, The other thing I would love for you to do though, is to give an example to the parents of somebody that you've helped through and, you know, some, just some, you know, real life examples of like, well, we did this and, you know, it was really bad and it got better. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Those are important. Um, I had a family reach out to me. uh, I think it was early in the pandemic and it was, I will be honest, it was one of those situations where I was like, this is close to the addiction stage. And I need to, I said, I would give them a couple of sessions and then I would see if it felt like I needed to kick it up to a, a different level. Um, The thing that really was so hard was, and this is generally true, most of the parents I hear from are parents of kids age 10 to 10 and up, and more often 12 and up. And it's in part because that, you know, you can see like that's when the social media and the smartphones have hit, and now the kids are really involved in it. Um, Whereas I'd actually really love to work with parents of younger kids so we could do that (laughs) sort of preventative approach. It's not seemed to be what happens. So this per- this family had a child who was an early teen and was really struggling. I mean, had been in and out of um, mental health sort of with, with self-harming issues. There was a lot going on, um, significantly related to social media. And one of the things that struck me really early on was that the mother was spending hours in the evening, like until two or three in the morning, looking at her social media, her daughter's social media pages. And 
to me, it was a moment of like, well, this isn't a healthy dynamic for anybody, right? Mom's not getting sleep and she's terribly worried, but the parents were very worried about setting limits because they didn't want to drive their daughter sort of to the negative mental health piece of things, which, which was the red flag to me, you know, that was the point at which, and they, because they had a family therapist working with them at the time, I, I agreed to a few sessions because it felt like, okay, they have that external support in place. Um, and the other challenge, and this comes up a lot too, is that parents don't always see eye to eye, that one parent has a different idea about how to handle it than the other. And so one of the parents really wanted to indulge a lot more, and they felt that taking away the screens and the social media would be detrimental to her health. And the other one was like, no, look what it's doing to her health. And so I could see the side, I could see the argument for both, but it it was actually very it got very intense. And I did say to them, look, I don't think I'm going to be able to help you right now. And I referred them to restart actually as a resource, at least to start finding more information. But I got an email from them about six months later, and it was thanking me for being right. And it was very, was one of those like really nice (laughs) validating emails that you get, because you don't always know when, when you send people out into the world. And we'd only met about three or four times, but I, I'd had, a, I'd met with a lot of resistance for the suggestions I'd been giving, you know, and, and in part because it was so hard, it would have it required some real changes in their family life. And um, to get that email saying you were right and everything you said ended up being true. Well, so um, I want to know was what in general did you tell them? Well, a lot of it was the idea that because of the mental health piece, I agreed with the parent who thought less was more. And at this point, um, it's tricky. And again, I'm, you know, the disclaimer that I'm not a mental health specialist, so I wouldn't recommend this necessarily for just anybody unless you were working with a mental health person, but taking it away without giving her some other external support was what worried me, right? It was the idea that like, we can't go to cold Turkey if she's saying that's also where her community is, right? Where she finds support. But here's the problem. The social media platforms are all algorithm driven and they're not designed to only give you the good, supportive, warm, fuzzy stuff. And so in the end, my advice was, I don't, I think it's actually causing more harm than good. And you're, you're going to need to make a bigger change. And they had, my suggestion initially had been to give her um, a flip phone, which was like a, you know, a, a middle ground in my view of sort of like allowing her to stay in touch with friends but taking away the internet connectivity piece of it. And she still had a computer for school. It wasn't like she was really that out of the internet, but it was at least going to cut that down and to prioritize sleep. Because I always say this to parents, like sleep is the low hanging fruit. You know, it's like you start there. If you can make sleep better, everybody benefits, right? We know that as sleep deprived parents. (laughs) Oh my gosh, if we're not getting enough sleep, it it doesn't, we're not good parents. We know we're going to be irritable. So that's a really, um, that's true for anybody. Anybody struggling with screen stuff is to prioritize sleep. So, so those were some of the things, um, and, and, you know, it was, that was one of those situations where I, when, when it ended, I was just sort of like, oh gosh, I really hope that what I said resonated and that it will help them in the future. And and to hear from them six months later that it did was really nice. Yeah, but it obviously was a huge commitment that the parents were willing to change and willing to put boundaries that their child might not like. Yes, and that's the hardest part. And I think that was the resistance I was met with was realizing that the parents themselves were going to have to make those changes. It's, 
you know, it's sort of that thing of like, it's not fun, but it's going to be, it's going to be better when you, you know, we can do hard things, that sort of mentality that we tend to want the easy way out. And there isn't an easy way out of this, you know, and, and that being said, like, I I don't want to underestimate that this is, this is not all parents fault. Like, in fact, part of this is our responsibility, but it isn't something that we've necessarily cost. And I know there are maybe some exceptions or examples where that's not totally true, but because of the industry itself, you know, and how the products are designed to be addictive, you know, I always say to families, this is not a fair fight. You know, you're not fighting your child. You're fighting a hijacked neural pathway that's getting dopamine every time they get a reward with the game they're playing or a like on their social media page. Like, that's what you're fighting. Yeah. You're not fighting your sweet, innocent child. And they're not always innocent. I yeah. know. but Well, and there are some family situations that, like, that you ran into the example that you ta- talked to, like, yeah. that they might hit the wall and need resources like yes. RestartLife.com and Game Quitters. And, like, because they can't yeah. make progress because yes. their child is really so addicted. And so yes. it's really helpful to have another professional involved that might be able to Absolutely. Uh, to assess the addiction part and stuff like that. But I agree with yeah, you and that there's hope, especially the earlier you start putting in boundaries yes. and supports for it. It's like, I agree. My favorite and that's, people to that's talk to absolutely. are preschool parents. <laughs> I know. It is. I agree because you can, that is a, to contrast that. I spoke to another family that had a five or six-year-old child who could not go anywhere without the iPad and would not. I mean, the child would not go to the playground anymore because they didn't want to not have iPad time. And that was a situation I actually really like working with families in that situation because at six, it's you can take it away. I mean, it is okay. And they are going to definitely not like that. But you have a lot, it's a lot easier in that situation than it is with a teenager, right? When there's so many other factors, or maybe the kid's driving already, right? Like, there's just a lot more sort of scary stuff for parents at that age. But man, pulling the plug at six is a lot easier than waiting till 16. Yeah, I, I, so, it's basically yeah. impossible, you know, almost impossible uh, if they yeah. get that, you know, if they're 12, you still have a little bit more influence. And yep. if, you know... If it gets to 16, it gets even worse. So, well, Emily, thank you so much. I will put those resources on the podcast notes. And I really appreciate you taking the extra time to cover this additional. And I hope that lots of families take the time to make the investment in doing something like your class too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.